All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Live from Calgary, ahead of the Battle of Alberta, which begins tonight at the Dome. Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show. I'm Frank Saravalli, joined alongside by former Vancouver Canucks Assistant General Manager Chris Gear. Chris, how's it going? It's going great. I see the lovely uh, Calgary skyline behind you. Uh, I had to bring in some Quebec Nordiques jerseys to switch up my background and in honor of me picking the avalanche. So uh, both, uh, both looking good today. Yeah, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's dive into the action from night one of round two and the Battle of, Al- uh, of Florida. I'm, I'm so excited for the Battle of Alberta. It's great that these two series, Chris, and rivalries are going on opposite for the most part, one every other. And the Tampa Bay Lightning jump out to a one nothing series lead by virtue of their 4-1 to one win over the Panthers on uh, Tuesday night. And so when you look at game one, Chris, what did we learn in this series? We learned that Nikita Kucherov is one heck of a player. I mean, we, we knew that, of course, but, you know, he just, he, he took over the game at, at times. I thought the game was was fairly evenly matched for, for big parts of it. And, and it's going to be, a am sure it's going to be a, a long and hard fought series. But, you know, that play that Kucherov made, I, I think Aaron Ekblad is still looking for his pants on the ice somewhere. He just, he deked him right out of his pants and slid it over to Corey Perry for the easy one. And then later in the game, I don't know if he was trying to shoot the puck through Uyghur's legs uh, to, to screen Bobrovsky, but but either way, just two magnificent plays by Kucherov. And uh, I think that was the difference in the game because otherwise, you know, lots of chances on both sides. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Pierre Edward Belmar also getting on the score sheet. You mentioned Corey Perry, some of the players a little bit further down in the Tampa Bay Lightning lineup contributing. Andre Vasilevsky getting back to his normal self. A fantastic start to the series for him. That guy has been rolling since overtime of Game 6 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was nearly perfect in Game 7 against the Leafs and has continued that in this series as Sergei Bobrovsky has struggled a bit. I mean, you take a look at his matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. This, Those numbers you see on your screen there, 867 save percentage, they go back to last the last two seasons, but also including the last time these two teams met in the playoffs last year. And he's really struggled. He gave, gave the net away to Spencer Knight, if you remember, last year in round one. You know, I have significant concerns about Bobrovsky, Chris, and also where's the Florida Panthers power play? Now 0 for 21 so far in the postseason. There's been five teams previous to the Panthers that have gone 0 for in the first round. They all lost. None of them made it to the second round. So the, the Panthers are, are certainly unique in, in, that, in that stat category and department. But can they survive in this series without scoring with the man advantage? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, here's a team that looked so good during the regular season, uh, both five on five and on the power play in terms of scoring goals. And it just isn't there right now. They're just just missing a beat. Uh, and then meanwhile, you look over at Tampa and they're missing Braden Point, who would have made their power play even better. So, you know, Florida's really got to pick it up or, you know, they're going to be in trouble once Tampa gets point back. Uh, with respect to Bobrovsky, like I actually thought he played pretty well last night. I mean, you can't fault him on the on the Perry goal where he's got just a, a tap in on a beautiful play. Uh, the the Belmar goal, the Colton goal, are both kind of a scrambly play in front of the net. And then Kucherov, you know, again that that shot was was elite. So you know, I don't think Bobrovsky was bad, but when you look at that overall body of work against Tampa, uh, he does have to be better, no question about it. If if Florida's gonna have a chance in this series. They need Bobrovsky to match Vasilevsky as much as possible. Yeah, we had so many questions heading into the playoffs, Chris, about how the Panthers game would translate that high-octane offense. They just have not looked like the same team so far in the postseason. I don't know. I think they might already be in trouble against the Tampa Bay Lightning in this series, the way the game one unfolded. Let's, uh, you got the Nordique sweaters behind you. Let's talk about uh, the Colorado Avalanche and their game one victory. They do it in a really interesting manner. They give up the first goal of the game, of course, question marks coming in about how will the Avs play in game one after not skating or not playing for eight days while so many other series went deep. So the Blues take the early lead the game to overtime despite being vastly outshot. And, you know, really what it feels like to me, Chris, is a significant missed opportunity for the Blues to plant a seed of doubt to take game one, even though they were largely outplayed, especially in the second half of that game. There were stretches of time, Chris, where it felt like the abs were on the power play when really they were playing at even strength. That's how much of a mismatch there was. And that continued in overtime until Josh Manson was able to get the winner. Yeah, it really was a dominant performance by the abs. I mean, that overtime... You know, I look back on it, 13-0 in shots for the Avalanche, and I'm not sure I remember St. Louis even touching the puck. Like, it was that dominant. And, you know, Jordan Bennington doesn't stand on his head throughout that entire game. This is a blowout. So, yeah, I, I think it's a statement game from the Avalanche instead of, as you say, it could have been maybe a bit of a statement game for the Blues. But, um, and, and, you know, the Avalanche didn't even have 
standout performances from McCarr or uh, McKinnon. You know, they, they, they had a pretty dominant performance all the way through their lineup. And, um, you know, Jordan Bennington making just highway robbery saves on, on Eric Johnson and on Arturi Lekkinen. I mean, this, this score could have got out of hand pretty quickly. And it's kind of amazing that it didn't, which I think speaks to what I was saying, Chris, about the idea that, you know, the Blues, if you're getting outplayed like that and the shots are as lopsided as they are, you're getting a performance like you are from Bennington, you got to find a way to, to get that overtime goal to just, you know, really seize that opportunity that you've been given because you may not get very many of them against the Avs. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, watching the Avalanche, they just look like a team that if they if they get going, they can just run you out of the building. And so, if you can stay in those games and not let them get that high powered offense going, then you have a chance and you have to capitalize. And you know, when they when they got the the second goal there from Cairo, you know, it looked like maybe they had a chance, but um, yeah, just uh, just just too much. And Bennington did everything he could to keep them in it, but they need uh, more contribution. Yeah, it's been one of the storylines of the postseason so far is the job Jordan Bennington has done coming in for Billy Huso. He's really helped put that team on his back. Uh, let's take a look at the Battle of Alberta, Chris, which gets underway, as we mentioned, tonight at the Saddle Dome. Uh, the first time that these two teams are meeting since 1991. I think I mentioned earlier on our podcast, Tyler Uremchuk was negative six years old. Uh, so it's been quite a long time since these two teams have clashed. You can feel the vibe in this city in Calgary. Everyone's excited and fired up. Can't wait to see the Red Mile and the Sea of Red in the Dome before the series shifts to Edmonton up Highway 2 over the weekend. But when you look at this series, Chris, give me your X factor for each team. Who's gonna who stands out to you in terms of being pivotal players for this series? Well, first of all, I, I grew up on the Battle of Alberta, right? I was uh, in the '80s. That was my prime teenage hockey formative years, and and some of those Battle of Alberta games were just incredible. It's what really got me onto the sport of hockey, I think. Um, looking at this series, you know, with, with Dreisaitl potentially not at 100% or definitely not at 100%, and we don't know, you know, whether he'll miss any time or, or how he's, how he's going to do. But, uh, you know, somebody else besides McDavid has to step up and be a factor for the Oilers. You know, whether that's Kane, whether that's Fogle, whether that's, uh, you know, take your pick. Somebody needs to, to step up. And, and be that secondary offensive piece for the Oilers because uh, McDavid is as great as he is. And, and sometimes he can do it alone, but I wouldn't expect him to do it alone for an entire series. And then when you look at the Flames, um, you know, somebody like Dylan Dubé or uh, Elias Lindholm, I mean, some of these guys that are good scorers, but, but not, you know, not the top, not Mangiapane and Goudreau and Kachuk. If those guys step up and have solid series and, and add that secondary scoring that was tough for Calgary to find in the Dallas series, then, uh, you know, I, I, that's why I picked Calgary. I think they just have too much depth and, and too much offense all through their lineup and better goaltending in Markstrom over Smith, as good as Smith was in, in that first series. Uh, you know, Markstrom was, was also exceptional and, maybe got overlooked by how good Ottinger was, but Markstrom was exceptional in that series as well. Yeah, some really good points. I do agree with you in that. I think the Flames have the edge in goaltending, their defensive play, and also their depth. 
Um, it'd be easy to pick Connor McDavid as an X factor. But for me, when I look at the Oilers lineup, I'm saying Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's the guy, you know, you look at his relatively quiet round one, two goals. Uh, it's really going to be the defensive play. I think that helps uh, determine this series from the Oilers perspective. Their attention to detail was so much better late in the series in their own end. They were really clean. I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a big uh, part in that. And then for the Flames, we'll touch on it shortly with our friend Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960, but it's Matthew Kachuk every day of the week. So can't wait to ask Pat about that coming up shortly in our All 32. One other second round series gets underway in the early game tonight. That's the Carolina Hurricanes against the New York Rangers. When you look at, Chris, the way that that series ended for the Rangers, their stars came out. They shined bright on Broadway. Uh, certainly in Game 7, you know, look at the overtime goal from Artemi Panarin. Mika Zibanejad was excellent. Seven points in his last three games of the series as they overcame deficits in all three of those games. Chris, the key for the series for me, for the Rangers, is you can't get in that type of hole again against the Carolina Hurricanes. If you're down 3-1 to one in that series, you're not winning that series. You might be able to get away with some of those mistakes against the Pittsburgh Penguins. When you look at the Rangers heading into Game 1, what, what's a key for you? Well, I think the fact that Igor Shosturkin started to play more like the Hart Trophy candidate that we saw in the regular season in those last few games, I mean, Shesterkin only had one game of, of playoff experience coming into this year, uh, one appearance. I don't even think he started the game. It was a relief. And so now he's played seven games. You saw the progression in his game between game one and game seven. I think if he's on his game, you know, that's going to be a key for the Rangers. Yes, Zabinijad was better. Yes, Kreider was better. Yes, Panarin was better uh, as we got through toward the end of that series. But for me, the key is still Shesterkin. And if he plays like he can... Um, you know, he, he can carry the Rangers uh, to a victory in this series. It's going to be difficult. Carolina is just excellent top to bottom. Um, but I think the Rangers could surprise them. And uh, Shesterkin will be the key for me. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I mean, I, I just think the consistency, Chris, with which the Hurricanes play, you know, uh, John Goins wrote a great story for us on dailyfaceoff.com looking at the key battleground areas for each of the four second round series. And, with the Hurricanes, he talked about their the idea of, quote, place and chase. And, and really, that's their characteristic, their style of play. They put it in the exact spot they want to in the offensive zone. Then they go and get it, and they get it to their skill players and allow them to go to work. That was really the big difference for the Rangers in that first-round series against the Penguins was they did not make life difficult nearly enough for Louis Domingue for a long stretch of that series. They didn't really get to him until game six late in the second period. And then once they finally did, they wreaked havoc. You know, Gerard Glant, we mentioned it before, he used the word soft three times in a post-game press conference to uh, to go after his team. And you can't play soft Hurricanes. They embody the style of their coach in Rob Brindamore. And that's going to be a key battleground area for sure in this series. If the Hurricanes can continue with that consistent approach, I just don't see the Rangers being a team that can match in that area uh, in front of their own net and also in front of Antti Ranta at the other end. Let's get to the All-32 now with Pat Steinberg. All right, let's head a couple blocks down the road from me at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. This is the All-32 delivered by DoorDash. He is Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960. 
Pat, uh, when you take a look at this series, the Battle of Alberta, everyone's so juiced up for it. I don't know that there's a player on the planet who's more ready for it that was born for a series like this than Matthew Kachuk. Yet he really struggled, Pat, at times in round one. He was all over the lineup as Daryl Sutter continued to adjust and find ways to beat the Dallas Stars. How did he get Matthew Kachuk going? Well, I think there's a few things. I think, number one, what we saw from Matthew in Game 7 is a really important step because he was, I thought, the best player on the ice in Game 1 of that series against Dallas. Like He came out firing. He was physical. He was involved. He had an assist on the only goal of that game. Like He was, I thought, the best player in that Game 1. And then it kind of fell away. And I thought he got too involved in doing other things. And the, the whole thing with John Klingberg, and that seemed to consume him for two or three games. And then he just never could find the game that we were used to from him in the regular season until Game 7. And in Game 7, despite the fact the Flames never held a lead in that game and eventually won it just over 15 minutes into overtime, I thought he was engaged. He was dangerous and dynamic offensively. And guys, that's what they need from Matthew Kachuk. They need Matthew to be the guy that he was in the regular season, the guy that had 100-plus points, the guy that was a driver of this offense, the guy who is a unicorn when it comes to what he does on the ice in terms of his offensive ability, his high-end elite skill level, but also his ability to draw penalties, his ability to get under the skin of the opposition. But he has to do that between the whistles. That's important for me because I felt like in that series against Dallas, there were times when he got a little bit too consumed with doing things after the whistle. So, for me, I think naturally there is going to be juice and beyond juice for Matthew in game one and throughout this series. You're right, Frank. Like This guy lives for this stuff. Um, and this rivalry is one of the things that has driven Matthew since he's gotten here. Uh, but I, I think the key for Calgary when it comes to number 19 is making sure that as much as possible, and you don't want, you don't want it to like, you don't want to neuter emotion or anything like that, but you don't want it to be fabricated either or forced. And I felt like a little bit of what we saw in the first half of the Dallas series was forced. So between the whistles and not having it kind of not being consumed with some of the stuff that can happen, some of the shenanigans that happen after the whistle and, and playing into some of those traps, I think it's going to be really important. But other than that, I think he'll be ready to go. And what we saw from him in Game 7 in a winner-take-all, must-win game, I thought was really encouraging because, once again, he was one of Calgary's best and most important players. So, Pat, let's switch focus to the Flames' blue line. And I want to talk about a guy that I'm very familiar with from my time with Canucks, and that's the Tan Man, Chris Tanev. Uh, what is his status in terms of injury? And, and if he's healthy enough to play, what, in your mind, does he add to the Flames' lineup? Well, okay. So first of all, on the status of Tanev, we don't know. He skated. He took full practice yesterday, and and maybe it was a little bit of confirmation bias on my on my part. But he didn't look quite at a hundred percent like he usually does. So, but also you're wondering because he didn't play in Game Seven. You're wondering if you're looking a little bit too closely and taking too many cues. So I'm not gonna t- I'm not gonna put too much stock into my own observations because of that. Um, I think what we know about Chris and what you know about Chris is if there is any way that he can go, 
he'll go. And I mean, we saw we saw him play through that that rib cartilage issue that he had. Like I remember, Travis Hamadick had the same thing a series season before and couldn't play through it. And that's no knock on Hamadick. That's just a that's just a, a, a testament to what Chris Tanev is able to play through. So I think if he is able to go, if there is the slightest chance that he'll keep, he can go, he will go. I think him taking practice on Tuesday was a really good sign. He was on his regular pairing with Oliver Shillington. And so I, I think there's a chance he goes tonight. I also think there's a chance that there is a little bit of mind games going on and a little bit of, okay, we'll show that Tanev's out there, but we, you won't know until both puck drop for game one. And that's my feel. I think it will be one of those scenarios where we don't know until puck drop. Now they're just getting morning skates started here at the Saddle Dome. So we'll have an eye on whether or not Chris ends up taking it. But my guess is it'll be an optional and they'll have that out saying that, no, it's optional and wait until, uh, wait until 7.30 PM. But uh, if, if Chris can't go, Michael Stone has stepped in really admirably and done a great job on that right side. Um, and on top of that, the top pairing of Hannafin and Anderson had a really strong kind of game five, game seven for the team. And they'll take even more when it comes to responsibility. So if, if Chris does go, I expect him to go with seven defensemen just because they had a lot of success with that prior to Chris not being able to go. But I, I'm kind of like, 50-50 whether or not Chris can play game one. I do think he'll play in the series, though, now that we saw him skating in uh, in practice. and He'll be a huge, huge part of this series, especially going up against that elite Edmonton power play. Yeah, no doubt about that, Pat, and definitely an encouraging sign to see Tanev out there yesterday. As you mentioned, we'll keep an eye on the morning skate. And, you know, I love the Swiss Army knife that Stone has become on that blue line, either as the seventh guy or uh, Tanev can't go as the sixth. He's been pretty versatile. You know, he's got that shot. He plays on the penalty kill a bit. Like, you know, when you can throw a guy like that in there and have confidence in him, that's certainly been a boost for Calgary. Quickly, Pat, give us your pick for the series and why. I am going to go Flames in six games. I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be a series that has a lot of back and forth in it, but I think Calgary's depth and Calgary's goaltending are the two areas that I think are going to give them the the biggest edge. Their depth at forward and their depth on defense and their goaltending. I'll go Calgary in six. Got it. Yeah, it's uh, the Edmonton Oilers entering the Battle of Alberta, Pat, as the underwhelming, certainly underdogs for sure. So uh, thank you so much to Pat Steinberg. This has been the All 32. You can listen to Pat every weekday evening, 4 to 7 Mountain Time on Sportsnet 960. This has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada, D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks to Pat. Always good to have some live updates from the Saddle Dome. Chris, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. And we saw the Pittsburgh Penguins, some interesting comments from their group as they cleaned out their lockers on Tuesday. They've got three pending unrestricted free agents. Well, four if you include Evan Rodriguez. But the big three, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and Brian Rust. 
Chris, my question to you, how many of them are back for next season? This is a really, really interesting question. Uh, you know, I'm going to say two of those three are back. And I'm going to say that it's probably the two big ones, uh, Malcolm and Latang. I just, you know, Latang's coming off a career year, even though he's 35 years old. Uh, Malkin scored a point per game. He missed a lot of time, but still had 20 goals. Neither of these players is done yet. And both of these players are guys that Sidney Crosby wants back. And I think the organization wants back. So, you know, a lot will depend on, on the kind of term they're looking for, because I don't think the Penguins are able to extend significant term to either guy. At some point you have to turn the page. And, and I think with the longevity of these guys, you know, they may be willing to, uh, stay on for one or two more years and not not get that long term. They've been paid so much money. I mean, Malkin's at 9.5 and uh, Latang's in the sevens, right? So there is $17 million. Or, and if you count Rust, there's $20 million of cap that if they decide to move on from these guys, there will be a way for them to go find players in the market to at least try to replace them. But I think at least two of them will be back. And um, they're going to have to take a little bit of a haircut from where they're at now, maybe even a big haircut. But, um, you know, when, when players have been with an organization this long and part of Stanley Cup championships, you know, I, I, think, I think in some ways they owe it to the organization to take a little bit of a, a haircut uh, if the organization is willing to be loyal to them. So I, I see I see Malkin and Latang back. Um, how about you? I'm going to say one. I'm going to say it's Chris Letang. I think he's the one guy they can really not afford to lose. Not that they can That's afford to lose all three of those guys for another team that lost in the first round for the fourth straight year. But when I look at this group, I, I just say he's almost irreplaceable on that defense. The key that they've been struggling over, and we've talked about this and reported before, is just, um, you know, how do you make the term work? Chris Letang was looking for, I believe, a five-year deal. And so um, that's going to be the big sticking point. It's going to be expensive no matter what. I just think, you know, Evgeny Malkin, for me, um, he's been hurt also so often that he's almost unreliable at times that if he's commanding a pretty big ticket, I say, you know what, uh, Gino, thanks so much for your service to Pittsburgh and, and thanks for helping deliver three Stanley Cups and a Conn Smythe. But, um, you know, we probably just need to shake hands and head in another direction. And, and Brian Rust, I've just never gotten the sense at any point this year, as well as he played, that the Penguins are going to pay up. Um, he's, you know, probably in Zach Hyman territory in terms of AAV, probably a five or a six year deal, five, seven, five, six million bucks a year. And it's going to be expensive. And, and the Penguins, I think in all of the conversations they've had, were nowhere close, uh, with the rust camp really at any point this year and, and really just stopped talking a long time ago. So my sense is one, um, I think they only have room for two if they really wanted to resign, uh, uh, you know, try and make a run at, at keeping those guys. They definitely don't have room, I don't think, for all three. Uh, so it'll be interesting, certainly summer to watch uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins as this really feels like the end of an, the first trio in NHL history to play 17 consecutive years together. Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, and Sidney Crosby also made the playoffs in each of the last 16, which is a pretty incredible run. Let's get to Tyler Uremchuk in our daily face-off, daily bets segment. Tyler, what do you got for night two of round two? Yeah, night one wasn't great. Didn't get the Carter Verhage assist. The Avs couldn't win it in regulation despite all those shots on net. So a little frustrating, but... 
we move on and I will start with another series prop. I shared a couple yesterday involving Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, their goals and assists respectively. For this series, Edmonton Calgary, I am eyeing up a Vander Kane over three goals. It's paying out minus 118. I think this is a really good spot betting on Kane, whatever number you get him at to go over his total for the series. He, ha- he was basically half a goal a game in the regular season. So if you do the math on a six or seven game series, you're probably getting at least a push. And in round one, he had seven goals in seven games, including a hat trick in that series against the LA Kings. Now, even if you take that hat trick out, He's hitting this over for you. So I like going with a Vander Kane over three or three and a half, depending where you get it, paying out minus 118. And uh, just one play tonight for me as I uh, try to feel out the series a little bit. It's a spot that I really, really like, though. And it's over five and a half in New York, Carolina. For Carolina, there's been at least six goals in six of their seven games so far in the playoffs. For New York, there's been at least six goals in every single game for them so far in the postseason. I don't know why this line is set at five and a half. Even, you know, Igor Shesterkin, he started to play better towards the end of the series. He was still giving up three goals a game. So I think we can easily hit six for the total here. You know, maybe you got to get lucky with an empty netter or something. But this this line being set at five and a half and paying out minus 121, that's a tremendous spot. So that is my only play for tonight, Frank, is the over in New York, Carolina. I'm also taking Kane to score more than three in the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, as you mentioned, these teams also try and find a way to feel their way through game one of these series. Uh, great job, Tyler. That brings us to our garbage time segment with Chris Gear. Chris, I see the floor to you. What's caught your eye from night one of round one? Well, what caught my eye, Frank, was watching that overtime of the Colorado game. A guy that was that was relied on pretty heavily um, from a minutes perspective. He also dug out the, the the puck in the corner that led to the Sam Gerrard goal. And I'm talking about Nikola Obey-Kubel. And this is a guy that uh, was waived by the Philadelphia Flyers uh, midway through the season. The same Flyers team that was way down in the standings, that had tons of injuries that, you know, I thought could have used warm bodies, quite frankly. But in their infinite wisdom, they felt that Obey-Kubel wasn't, uh, wasn't a fit for their team. And you look at that. 13, uh, 13 minutes, six hits. As I said, didn't get an assist on the Gerard goal, but was a huge factor in it, uh, you know, out there in overtime. And it, it just, I mean, the question of how Philly let him go is one thing, but it just shows you that there's always guys on the waiver wire that, you know, if you're, if you're paying attention and you, you pick them up and you find the value and you plug them into the right situation, they can, uh, they can be really useful guys. So just an interesting thought, you know, seeing this guy play in overtime of, of uh, the second round thinking, how does a guy go from waivers to that, right? So it's interesting how that happens. Yeah, Chris, there's there's certainly value to be had around the NHL if you really look in the right places. Albe Kubel, seven games this season with the Flyers, zero goals. He comes to the Colorado Avalanche, steps into the lineup, 11 goals, 23 points, exactly the type of contributor that you'd like to have on a value contract that you got for free. And we've seen it elsewhere in the playoffs so far. The game seven hero for the Carolina Hurricanes. They basically got him for three ninety nine at uh, two fifty nine, uh, right before the three p.m. trade deadline. They get him from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a sixth round pick and a prospect. Uh, you know, basically for a guy that that was never going to be contributing to their organization, and and they get Domi. You know, just one game like that for Domi, one sequence like that for Albe Kubel, and they are certainly worth the transaction. 
uh, no doubt at this time of year. Uh, value to be had everywhere for teams that look in the right places. Chris, fantastic edition of the Daily Faceoff show today. We are thrilled and excited to get uh, the Battle of Alberta underway. Can't wait to be in the Dome tonight. That'll do it for today's show. Uh, keep it locked up to dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from these Stanley Cup playoffs. You know where to find us. We'll talk to you on Thursday, 12 noon Eastern. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? 
that's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.